and words hurt. But you know, like you'll you'll scroll through a thousand positive comments, not think anything of them, but you get one negative comment, and it just resounds like in your head, like you can hear it over and over. So, and we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight. Let's get started. Turn it up, you tuning in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We talking cheer, we talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number 60. Not sure if there's going to be a 61, but thank you for joining. And we have a great episode for you guys. Today we have on Eddie Rios of the California All-Stars, most famously known for a little team you guys might have heard of, Smo-Ed. And as we continue our way through California, we talk about the origins of Smo-Ed, Eddie's origins into cheer, what it's like working with a team that has so many outside distractions. We talk about the division chain. We we talk about a bunch of things. We talk about him being a dad. This is a great episode. You guys are truly in for a treat. But before we get into that, if you have a friend who is a huge Smoed fan, send this episode over to them and make their day. Also, if you love the show and want to see it keep going and keep going in the right direction, in the show notes, there's a couple of links. Guys, we need you guys to take that survey. When I was in college, there was a restaurant I used to go to and had a little bar, right? And at the bar, it had a sign that said, voting is like tipping. If you don't do it, you can't complain about what you get. So guys, take the survey. Let me know what you like what you guys don't like. Also, if you want to make a financial donation, you can do that. That's also in the link in the uh, show notes. And you can donate for as little as 99 cents a month. Did you know that in the Netherlands, you can buy 10 pancakes at the supermarket for only a dollar? And that pancakes are one of my all-time favorite foods in the world. Donations help us produce a better show for your listening pleasure. And anything helps. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Jason Larkins, and I'm the cheer director at American Cheer in Bakersfield, California, AKSC.com, and I'm on here to share with you guys my life running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, working with parents, and I appreciate you all tuning in today. Lastly, on episodes that don't feature an interview, we have our question of the week. So if you have a question that you want answered on the show, you can DM me on Instagram at Jason Larkins. I love getting those. Love answering those. They really drive the show. But guys, you don't want to hear me talk about DMing me on Instagram or taking the surveys. You guys are here to hear my conversation with Eddie Rios. All right, guys. As I said in the intro, Mr. Smoed coach himself, Eddie Rios. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, you know... (laughs) It's funny because I kind of already told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. But when um, you guys rented the gym from us or, you know, used the gym uh, for us after GSSA in Bakersfield, you know, you came up, you guys used the facility. I'm just kind of hanging around watching you guys practice, see if I can pick up any tips, you and Blue Crew. And, um, you know, you're like, hey, you know, if, if you ever want me to come on the show, I'd love to come on. And I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, people say that all the time, like kind of just being nice. And then you said it a second time. And I was like, man, I think Eddie might be serious about coming on show so you know reached out had to shoot my shot and here we are so glad yeah, to have you absolutely 
yeah, no, anything that, you know, I can do to help out our true community. This, like I said before, is my passion and I love cheerleading. I love inspiring other coaches to just be better. And I like to learn from other coaches too. So anything we can do to contribute and make this sport stronger, like, absolutely. Let's do it. Appreciate that, man. So, all right, yeah. let's, let's, let's get started, man. So tell us about, tell us about the beginning before we get all, you know, to the craziness, tell us about the beginning, how you got started in cheer and then how you got into coaching. The beginning, um, I was a little boy at 15 years old. I uh, decided I hated football in my freshman year of high school and I decided to do cheerleading. Uh, classic story, cheerleaders recruited me and said, hey, you want to be on the cheer team for competition? I was like, okay. Um, and yeah, I started at Huntington Park High School in South LA. Uh, so I'm a Los Angeles native and yeah. uh, South Central LA over at Huntington Park High School. Uh, cheered for four years and uh, then I... Didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. I went to Louisiana. I was supposed to chair at McNeese State, and that didn't work out. Didn't really like Louisiana. And then I went to Hawaii. I was trying to get on Hawaii Pacific, and I guess there was, like, a big turnover with coaching. So I just started coaching at All-Star Gym. So um, yeah. I started at Hawaii Cheer Company. I worked under Robert Daniel um, from University of Kentucky. He won partner stunt back in the 90s or something. But he was yeah. – a stickler for technique and I was like oh okay stunt technique like this I've stunted before but never like this like he was all about the mechanics of the human body and that's where I started learning shapes and and grip grip work and just you know just how to build and break down stunts from the bottom up and yeah that's where I started and here I am here I am 20 something years later yeah 22 years later there we go. Okay, so Still McNeese State, did you did you cheer there a whole season? No, I went there over the summer to try out and okay. I was after a couple of weeks of being there, I was like, uh, this is not for yeah, me. Yeah, this is this is no, not for me. I cannot live yeah. in the South. I'm a Cali boy. I need beach and sand. I just can't no, I feel, yeah. live in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, we did um so I cheered at SFA in college and McNeese State was in our conference. So we used to, you know, have games. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, we play yeah. them all the time. But I remember like the first time I ever had Raising Canes was it was the second time I had Raising Canes. It was at McNeese State. The cheerleaders brought over oh, like Raising Canes to us like as a halftime. Like, here you go, cheerleaders. And we're like, oh, oh thanks, guys. Funny. So anyway, yeah. And then yeah. HPU was actually funny. I was so I was supposed to cheer at HPU. And well, well, twice I was supposed to cheer. Well, once I was supposed to cheer there. Once they cut me because I wasn't good enough, right? <laughs> so, at that time, nobody was good yeah, enough. Yeah, right? Yeah, so I tried out my freshman year in college or like, you know, my senior year in high school. I tried out, cut me, and, um, you know, went to junior college for a couple of years and then decided, okay, I'm going to try out for HPU again. Made the team that time and then decided that I didn't want to go to HPU. I wanted to go to SFA. So, anyway. Yeah. So, We're all right. in the same circles. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So and then, so you start coaching All Stars. So where's your first All Star? Yeah, I started so, coaching so you do that in Hawaii, Hawaii yep. Cheer Company, and then uh, my mom got sick uh, back in two thousand. I want to say two. So I came home for a semester, and I went to Orange Coast College, and I cheered there for a couple of years with Mike and Dan, um, and I was coaching over at Pace down in Orange County, and oh, yeah, yeah the, I just you know met cool people. I ended up at Cheerport Simi Valley, and then. Ended up in Palmdale. That's where I met Orby. And then we came and, well, took over Blades All-Stars that yep. was bought by California All-Stars in yeah. 2007. So, I mean, everything just kind of fell in line and just here we are. 
14 years later, California All-Stars. Yeah. So, okay, now we have to slow this down. OC, OCC, Orange Coast. OCC, yes. What years you were at OCC? Uh, we won college nationals in 02, 03. Um, so I was probably there like summer of 2001 to, I don't know, summer of 2003. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Then I was, oh, then I went to Palomar right nope, after. 2004. 2004. 2004. Okay. Yeah. So I went to Palomar right after that. Cause I was at Palomar. Oh, oh, three to oh five. So we won UCA college nationals in oh five. So like right okay. after, you know, you were there, I was at. Yeah. That, uh, that's like the after OCC went from UCA to that one year that we went to NC. It was my last mm-hmm. year with, yeah. Yeah. With OCC. Yeah. There we go. Good stuff. And then, so you're with blades and then, so you got, so how long are you with blades? Uh, blades, we oh five oh six, uh, and then going into oh, just kidding. We started oh six oh seven, and then Tanaz bought blades in oh eight. So, did yeah. you have a relationship with Tanaz before then? Actually, we um had blades for a couple seasons. We had phenomenal seasons. Uh, we, I mean, in two years, I think we had like two yeah. seven places or something. We it, it was like. <laughs> Orby and I took like 34 kids and made this like program. And then Orby knew Tanaz from college when he was at um, Miami Dade and she was at Louisville, like then yep. at college nationals. So um, we heard that she wanted to purchase a gym in the area and he called her up and was like, Hey, our owner's looking to get out. If you want to take this, it's already existing. And she's like, let me take a look at it. And then, yeah, it worked out. And here we are. Yeah, there we go. And that, you know, what's so funny about that is about that time, uh, who was like the first franchise gym? Um, I can't remember, but someone had started franchising. And I remember coming home from college, maybe, who knows? It's like one of the very first franchises. And I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. But I remember coming home from college. So I cheered at California All-Stars. You might not have known that, but, you know, I'm old Cali boy. But I came home and I'm talking to Jeff. And um, I remember him saying how he didn't want a franchise. And, like, you know, it, was, it wasn't super popular. But I remember him telling me he didn't want a franchise. And then the next time I saw him, he has this small co-ed team. Like, I see him in the warm-up room. He has this small co-ed team. I was like, small co-ed? He's like, oh, yeah, it's in our other location, right? And I'm like, oh, you have another location now, right? And little did I know that that small co-ed team would, you know, was that it was Smoed that I was looking at, right? Oh, it wasn't. Like, you know, it was actually like a, a oh, it crossover wasn't. team. No, it okay. was a crossover team. And we had an international all-girl, and that's the team mm-hmm. I worked with. Okay. And that was the first team that won NCA for California All-Stars ever. There we go. And um, that small co-ed team was like co-ed kids crossed over into the small co-ed team. So they gotcha. Like okay. Once, like every week or something like that. They were really successful, though. They were a really good team, but that wasn't small. And then the following year, we had junior co-ed. Yep. Um, and they won Worlds in 2010. That was our first win for a location. And that team became Smoed. So that yeah, so tell me about team that was team just then. like a crossover team. They were <laughs> they, they were just like the island of misfits, but they were great kids. And um, I had junior co-ed. Our first year, Cali, we didn't make finals to University Cheer Air Force with Edgar. Um, mm-hmm. And me and Edgar would always go back and forth with our J5 and our J2. Still to this day, we talk about it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that junior five at the time ended up winning worlds in 2010, and we that 
that team became Smoed in 2011. So Smoed is now 11 years old. Yeah. There we go. Crazy. It's you crazy. know what's so funny? There are boys, not boys, there's boys and girls out there somewhere. It was, oh, yeah, I used to cheer. And like, oh, what team you're on? And they, and they, and they're telling people, yeah, I was on the small co-ed team at Cali. And knowing that people are saying Smoed, and they're like, yeah, it wasn't really Smoed. But yeah, 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 I was on the small co-ed team. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was actually my next question because I knew you won. I knew, you know, it's funny. I, I can't track the years that was with the small co-ed team. But I knew that you won in junior co-ed. So tell me about that team winning worlds and, you know, and then kind of transitioning into, you know, what we know as Smoed. Yeah, no, uh, well, in 2010, it was, we were in the Camrio, original Camrio gym, which was a mechanic warehouse mm-hmm. to begin with. And Orby and I, uh, I mean, we had two really successful seasons with California All-Stars right off the bat. And um, we started building a J5 and we we're like, hey, we need to start building a Worlds program. And we had other coaches and facilities telling us like, oh, no one's going to want to come to this location for a junior team. And I'm like, mm, well, you watch. I'm going to coach them because junior age, I love junior age. Like those kids just want to please you. They just mm-hmm. want to be great. There's no, like they're not in high school doing their own thing with their friends. Like they're in it to win it. So for me, it made more sense to build a junior program to transition to seniors versus trying to constantly build a senior program with, you know, no name or no history yet at that time, yeah. you know? So we built a strong core. We had really, really good kids, really invested parents Conditioning was insane. These kids were so strong, so strong. I mean, we were running sections and pullouts like crazy, like early in September. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these kids were animals and they just wanted to be great. And um, yeah, we just kind of took that culture that we built with that junior team and transitioned into senior age and then across all of our levels. And 2010 to about 2000, I would say 17, our all of our levels were strong across the board. Yeah. And then in 2018, we're like, okay, we need to have a family. And that's when we started taking our foot off the gas a little bit. And then now we have Levi and it's amazing. And now we're getting back in the swing, you know, of balancing parenthood and being a coach and director at the location. It's just, it was 2018 was a shock. We won worlds that year with both teams, reckless and smooth, but Mm -hmm. it was a shock. It was yeah. just like, wow. Like, now we have a kid, and now for the first couple of months, I couldn't coach. I, I, I just, it was yeah. physically impossible for me to coach because I would see my child's face in every kid, and it was the weirdest thing. So it kind of prevented me from doing what I do best, which is like go and coach hard, like <laughs> take yeah. no names, take no prisoners, and go. And now I'm just like, oh, you got an owie, you come here. Like, yeah, uh, for it was sure. And weird, but I mean, we it's just mentality and we just kept building it and here we are and we've circled back around. We're just like, okay, like time to get back to work. Yeah, for sure. And and we're going to circle back around to, um, to daddy Levi or daddy of Levi here, here in a second and and, and a little less Smoed coach. So, um, so let, let's go here. Smoed now super popular. You get the TV show, the YouTube channel, right? Cheerleaders is on and it's like super popular, right? So how does, how did that dynamic change? Oh. Like, what was it like trying to balance that? How did that impact the team? Like the popularity of the team? Oh my gosh. Uh, first year was kind of the trial run 2013, which was like our golden year. Uh, we won in 20, 
12 and 2013, 14, 15, 18, and 22. So 2012, we had a, that year Kiara was on it. Mm-hmm. And that was Kiara's first year. That was a phenomenal season. Um, we like were like innovators. We came up with like really cool transitions for our pyramids that we still see at Worlds today. And we're just like, yeah. I made that up. I made that up 12 years ago. I feel like a little <laughs> gray up on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in 2013, we got we got a call from a random lady who was a producer that mm-hmm. had this idea because she was a cheerleader in Michigan once upon a time in high school. Yeah. And she really wanted to do a cheer show. And she had shot a couple pilots at a couple local area gyms. And she was just like, oh, I haven't really found the coach and the dynamic that I'm looking for. And I'm like, are you sure you want me? I'm like, I'm not – I'm probably not going to be the best example for everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, rough around the edges, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yes. And, of course, like, if you're like this on 10 always, like, you're great for TV. And she came in one practice. Halfway through, she's like, this is it. This is going to be great. And I was just like, <gasps> I don't know. And, um, yeah, it's we brought the cameras, we brought the crew, and we did it for eight seasons. Yeah. And season one, we just had the characters. We had – we started filming October of 2012, and just it just happened that the first episode, we found out that a boy was 20 years old, and there was an oversight <laughs> in his paperwork, and his ID was fake, and she was like – I stepped into a gold mine. Like, yeah. this is like, everyone wants to see this. And it, it's just, it, it was crazy. It was a crazy eight seasons of cameras. And it was, it was really hard. Cause we had to, obviously we still had a job to do. We're producing this, like these great teams. And then there's cameras on the floor. So then you really have to be mindful of what you put out there. Because I, like I always tell the kids, like those cameras are a window to the world. Like mm-hmm. they cannot catch something that's not there. And if you're going to be an able the whole world's going to see you being a hole every Sunday and yep. that doesn't go away. And everyone has an opinion and we just get comments and comments and comments about how awful I was and how this person was this, that person was that. And it's just, you know, you tell the kids not to look, not to go on there, but first thing they're they want to do is go look. Yeah. They're going to, if you tell them not to do it, they're going to go do it right away. And um, yeah, it was really hard to manage just, you know, after the first season, it became very popular um then it started becoming like a subculture like we were like getting spotted like i would i did a camp in the uk and some guy was like it's you guys from youtube and i was just like <laughs> hi and i i was traveling with the kids or well, some of the kids we did the international camp and then we're like at the gates of like buckingham palace taking group pick and they're like oh my <laughs> god it's snowing yeah i'm just like this is wild this is like wild and then it just became like a thing in that first season it's just we couldn't even go to a competition and just enjoy a competition it's like we were yeah. being mobbed by five six hundred kids <laughs> just wanting a picture yeah. it was just it was really hard to focus uh it was really hard to run practices because you know like our turnaround was two weeks so whatever you shot today it was going to be aired in two sundays mm-hmm. from now yeah so some stuff like you just didn't want out yet until it was perfected but yeah. you're, you're running practice, and then when the camera's around, you have to, like, tiptoe around things you don't want shown. And then, obviously, there's, like, trade secrets. Like, I don't want everyone knowing how I really coach. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like, and what drills I implement, all this fun stuff. So, like, we avoid doing those, and we try to keep it as generic. But then it's, like, 
we're killing practice time, like yeah. avoiding training. But you so have it, to do it because you have to get better. Yeah. Exactly. And then we started uh, in after 2013, going to 2014. Then we started getting the kids that were there for not the right reasons. Mm-hmm. All the way through 2020, people that were chasing cameras instead of yep. chasing rings, and it was just. Um, yeah, it, it became a little sticky. And then of course you get the, the parents that want their kids on the forefront of the cameras and the interviews. But when it comes to class time, it's like, where's, where's your kid? You were, yeah, you were here for the cameras, but so I started making up rules along the way, like saying, like, if you, you don't do your classes, you can't interview. Like if you don't mm-hmm. have all your skills, like we, we're not going to focus on you. And then uh, the show is always optional for everyone. So it was always an option to do it or participate or not participate. So I never made the kids like, if you're on this team, you're part of the show. Like, obviously yeah. you're going to be captured, but the kids that are featured, because it was always like six featured kids or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that was always like optional for them. So that was pretty yeah. cool. So it was just really hard to manage because they are minors. You can't control everything they say. You know, there are parents involved. Like no parent wants their kid to be por- portrayed this way or that way. Um, you know, like as a coach, when you go through the season, there are those t- tough conversations, like having to cut people or add people or replace mm-hmm. people, um, or just have sit downs and touch base with athletes and be like, Hey, you're not holding up your end of the deal, you know, but then you have the cameras like here. So not every parent wants their kid, you know, getting grilled <laughs> on Sunday on YouTube, yep. you know, so you have to like balance it out and it's, re- it, it got really tough, a little sticky. But I think yeah. after like season three, we started catching the groove and we would implement these guidelines from the beginning of the season. So we didn't fall into this situation, you know, like it, it just, it was another layer of stress and another layer of obviously the coaching, the training, yeah. and then you have to be able to manage the kids, the cameras, and then the social media, which is like the backlash, which is like the ugly underbelly that nobody warns you about. Yep. And yeah, it, it got a little crazy. It got a little crazy, but it was a great experience. People ask me if we'd do another season. Absolutely. I think, you know, we've had a lot of practice doing it. So yeah, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm like, cool. But just over the years, it just my coaching style has changed a lot because I was going to these gyms and, you know, what works for Smoed is not going to work for the junior two in Iowa. Like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? For sure. It's just those, like, it took a long time to get kids to that level and to implement that, those kind of disciplines, because it's a lot of discipline and be able to like handle that much conditioning and all that fun stuff. Like we're constantly training and building to that point where people are just, you know, on Sunday they would tune in and see Smoed on their 15th bear crawl. And they're like, we need to do 15 bear crawls. I'm like, yeah, no, you're gonna get someone hurt. Like it doesn't really work that way. You need to start with two bear crawls right now. Yeah. uh, One. Half a floor. I don't care. They're minis. <laughs> Leave them alone. They're so yeah. Cute. But, you know, like I started noticing like the culture shift in coaching and it's just like, okay, like I need to A, reel it back. B, be mindful of the things that are said, um, you know, and just set a good example because, yeah, this is our legacy. Like, like I don't want Levi going in and clicking on these links in 10 years and being like, mm. who's that? Like, that's my daddy. Like, that's what he used to say. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. You know, like, so yeah. it, I, I I started switching my, I would say coaching style about 2018. And um, yeah, now it's just, you know, I I just want to be positive. I want energy to be great with kids. I want to build them up. Like the trophies are great, but it's just like looking back now, it's like, was it worth it? Was going that hard for that long worth it? And sometimes it's just, 
You know, there's a lot of kids that walked away from it being like, yeah, we won, but what else did they get out of it? And that's never yeah. what you want as a coach. You want them to be like, that was so much fun. I'm glad I put that much time into it. It's like nobody wants to kill their body for a plastic trophy and look back and be like, what did they really accomplish? Yeah. You know? So I, sure. I don't know. Like, that was me going on a tangent. We had to say unicorn. <laughs> the word was unicorn. Real bad. So, well, no. Well, I want to. I want to stick with. I want to stick with the show just for a second. Yeah. Did you? So Monica said this. You know, Mark Aldama Navarro. Shout out. Um, she mentioned that you know after season one, she went back. You know, or when the day it came out, she went and watched. You know, binge watch right the whole thing. I'm assuming she did that for season two. So did you? go and watch every episode or, you know, after a while, it's kind of like, you know, I was there, I already lived it. No, I, I would, cause I was very mindful about my kids. Like, mm-hmm. um, social media is brutal, yeah, brutal. And when you're dealing with, especially that age group, you know, at the time was 12 to 18. It's just, those are like very influential, like building years yeah. for like young athletes and, how they perceive themselves and how people perceive them is everything to them. And, you know, like if it caused a lot of damage, like not to, you know, just to be blunt, like it caused a lot of damage when we didn't control and really help them assess the situation. If we just let things be, these kids were reading these comments and people were nasty. Like people that knew nothing of cheerleading, making comments from everything, their attitudes their personalities, the way they practice, the way they looked, um, you know, body image issues. Um, we had it all people too skinny, people too big, just, you know, whatever. Like, so I would watch the show to make sure that everything was kosher. I'd watch it from beginning to end, even people standing in the back, like, like if someone was being interviewed, things that were happening in the back, making sure that, you know, our kids were covered. I've always said from day one, like you can come for me any day, but don't mess with my kids ever. Yeah. You know, so I, I was really making sure that the kids were taken care of. So I would watch the episodes for more for that reason. Um, and just, you know, I was just making sure everything was good. And then I would make sure that I had everybody's Twitter, everyone's Instagram. And if anything happened in an episode where they were involved and it was the most positive, I would go through their feeds to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. like they weren't getting online bullied or anything yeah. crazy was happening. Yeah. Yeah, so how do so, you handle all of the, you know, because everyone's a troll, right? I mean, you know, Twitter is the worst, but you, you go through the comments, especially the comments on like these these things that go viral where you kind of just think you're just, you know, I'm just another person who's adding on, you know, no one's actually going to read yeah. this, you know, but those kids, and I'm sure you did at times, like, you know, you there's a real person on the other side of that screen, oh, you know, absolutely. reading a thousand comments. Um, and words hurt, ugly. but you know, like yeah. you'll you'll scroll through a thousand positive comments, not think anything of them, but you get one mm-hmm. negative comment, and it just resounds like in your head, like you can hear it over and over. So yeah. you know that we we warn the kids about that too from the very beginning. We have, have our chat about the show, things like expectations, guidelines, all that fun stuff, and we talk about that. We talk about the comments and trying to stay off of them as much as possible because you naturally will gravitate towards a negative comment. And hold on to those words. And sometimes you believe the things that you read, unfortunately. And, you know, whether it be the most educated person in the room or just a 12-year-old with the keyboard. Like, and I, I 
would reiterate to kids, like these kids are 10, 11, 12 Mm -hmm. with opinions. And, you know, sometimes kids are nasty. And sometimes when you read these comments, you just got to think like this person's probably only 12 and just let it, let it be, you know? So that part was a little hard and it just, it added stress and it added a lot of time out of our day to make sure that everyone was protected and covered and, you know, it was a positive experience for everybody. But again, it's just, it took years of practice and mastering that. So yeah, I talked to Allie over at Cheersport Sharks because she did the couple seasons of um, Mm -hmm. their show as well. And she was like, how do you manage it? I'm like, and I warned her before the camera started rolling. I'm like, these are the things that are going to happen. And these are the things that you have to get ahead of before they start happening. And yeah, sure enough, it, was 100 percent true yeah <laughs> yeah for sure Dude, okay um all right so talk to me about smoed especially the camarillo ventura gym you guys killing it teams are top to bottom everyone is Thank looking you. great but then it kind of gets to that especially guys doing them i remember kind of in the middle of the run there becomes this Smoed fatigue, right? And everyone, there's this point where I, I remember thinking Smoed is the best team in the world right now. They're the most loved team in the world right now. Right. And then it kind of goes, oh, I feel like people are getting Smoed fatigue and now there's a target on your back and now people want to see you guys lose. Oh. Yeah. yeah, right? And so what was it like kind of dealing with, well, because everyone wants the underdog to win. And so what was it like, you know, beca- you know, rising to the top as the underdog and now being you know, the one that people want to see, you know, put back in their spot. We've always said what goes up must come down. So, um, you know, those years that we were just going back to back to back to back or whatnot, like those years were all fine. And we had great groups of kids. And there was a couple of years that we didn't think we were going to do it. And we did it somehow. And I mean, it's just part of the sport. It's just what keeps us competitive. And as coaches, we have to keep things in perspective and really realize like, you know, you're going to have really good years and you're going to have really bad years. And we talk, we talk to the kids about it all the time at the end of almost every practice we talk about is just, you know, we train so hard. We build you guys up so much mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally to be able to handle when you get out there, especially day two at Worlds when half of the crowd is cheering for you to fail. Yeah. You know, everyone has their favorite and everyone's entitled to have their favorite. But I'm like, when half the world is cheering for you to fall, it really messes with your head and you have to be ready for mm-hmm. it. You're, you, you know, you need to step up to the plate and be like, we're not going to allow this to happen to us. We've worked too hard. We deserve it. We're worthy enough as athletes and worthy enough as coaches to be able to be successful. So we're going to do this for us and block out all the noise. So, yeah. you know, it, it, we, we just have to verbal constantly verbalize that for the kids because where just wearing the name on your back already puts pressure on you. Like we had kids that could not hit a routine in that uniform. So that, that for a couple of years, we didn't use that uniform for that reason, because we yeah. felt like those groups of kids were just not mentally ready for that uniform mm-hmm. because, you know, you wear the uniform all of a sudden you're smoed. Like yeah. that's how people sometimes think. And, you know, and sometimes it's just like wearing that uniform. is just your knees go weak and your hands are, shaking controllably and it's just like okay well now i'm here and now i have to do it and it's just we have to like train up to that and you know it, it's fine how just a blue uniform affects people or yeah once they put it on for the first time they like start bawling and it's just like 
you're here. You've been here. You've been here all summer. Mama, I made it. Yeah. You mama, I made it. Yeah. Where's my <laughs> pictures? Schedule my photo shoot. But, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just, it comes with the territory and it, it does mess with you sometimes. And having those kind of pressures, you know, we've always said pressure is a privilege. If you're feeling pressure, that means you're doing something right, something right somewhere. Yep. And um, for our kids, it's just, we try to really instill that pressure is a privilege. Not every team gets experiences. Not those nerves and that crippling feeling like no, not everybody gets to experience it. Some kids just are just happy to wear a uniform and go out there and do their best. And that's what we want. For yeah. Them. Yeah. Dude, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So dude, Eddie, I'm going yes. to ask you, a, I'm going to ask you a real question right now. Can I ask you a sure. real question? Yeah. Right. Are you going to cry? Question. Oh my God. Here we go. No, no, I'm not going to make you cry. So real question for, uh, in the small co-ed division, I think, you know, obviously there's always different competitors that you have, but I think over the years, the, the big like rival has been uh, senior black, right? Brandon yeah. Senior black. So you kind of alluded to this, but basically you guys did have athletes move from wherever in the world to come be on SMOED. And for like, some years back, and I know for a couple years in a row, they had the 100% pure Florida. Now Twitter said but that was a shot at Smoed. What says you, Eddie? Uh, take your shots, man. Like, I, I had <laughs> take this your shots. Of, take your shots. Like, dude, if, if it makes you feel better, go for it. If it makes your kids hype, go for it. Just, you know, like, it's respectful competition. Um, we yeah. respect them just as much as they respect us. Sometimes the kids, you know. But as coaches, Jocelyn, Kyle, Erica, they do a great job over there. Um, I actually sat down with Jocelyn now two years with this pandemic uh we went to spring conference in uh, montreal and we sat down and we sat down and just compared notes like we we practice monday and wednesday we practice tuesday and thursday like we practice sundays they practice saturdays like we're like complete opposites but you know we we did say that because of them we're better and because of us they're better so that that was really good to hear from like their head coaches you know and um it's always been that was old, the only one team I would look at in the division. I know there was a lot of great competitors in small code, no shade to anybody, but that that was the team to beat for us. Yeah. Uh, back in 2011, I remember warming up in the NCA um, warm room, massive warm room, and I saw Senior Black for the first time, and I was just like, "Holy jeez!" And that's when they were doing like tick half around to scorpion i was like yeah like low half around high and i thought it was like the coolest thing but uh, <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna beat that team one day and we we did we did yeah. we did it and we did it a lot of times and i mean they've had their good years and we've had our good years and i'm glad that we're the two top competitors in the division or we were the two top competitors in the division and um now we've found global which i yeah. love so, I mean, it was a good transition for us, but it was a good, how long was that? 12, 10 years, 11 years yeah. in small co-ed. Yeah. And this year was a breath of fresh air, honestly. And it yeah. was good to come out of that and just shelf that. And maybe we'll circle back around to it. But I mean, small ed means small co-ed. And it just, and now it's just a brand now and a it doesn't yeah. matter what it is. Yeah. Now it's an actual name and a brand. And that when I told Tanaz, hey, I think we need to change divisions, she was like, well, the only way you can do this is if you keep the name, you cannot change the name, and you have to have at least eight boys. I'm like, got it. 
So we had nine boys and we got to name. Yeah. So it was cool. It was cool. It was a fun experience. All right. So before we, um, because I do want to talk about the new look Smoed, but before we do that, um, I I have to tell you this story real quick. Because it's like, it's one, it's a story I tell all the time. And you were a part of it, believe it or not. So I don't know what year it is, but it is, again, it's in the middle of the four-peat, right? Smoed mania. And we're at Spirit Sports, and we have our large senior three. And we're going on. We're literally the team right before you guys. And I'm thinking, we have a good shot at the paid bid this weekend. And it's day one. And every, you know, the convention center is packed waiting to see Smoed, right? They're waiting to see you guys. And the convention center is packed, but we're up next. And they won't let us perform. They're like, we're not letting anyone perform until, you know, people find seats. Oh, the fire marshal came. Yeah, fire marshal came. And I remember, like, we we walked on the stage. They took us off the stage. And we had to wait for, like, 45 minutes. And, like, I'm like, man, like. You know, I'm thinking we can win the paid bid, but not like this. Not with all these distractions going on. And we had pre- practiced like mental toughness. Like, like we are really into mental toughness. Um, like he- those like two weeks heading into spirit sports and just talking about anything can happen. And, you know, n- little did I know that was going to happen. But, um, you know, I remember like running back to him like, this is what we practice for, guys. Right. And like, right? you see all these people here. They're here for you guys. Help us to shut this place down. But, uh, but I just remember I like that was – that was like crazy. That was like that really like epitomizes like what you guys were dealing with. Because I mean, we had to deal with it for that one competition because it was just kind of a rub off of just being around you guys. It happened but, to some worlds that year too. Yeah, it, you guys just dealing with the competition for like thirty minutes because people wouldn't not stand in the stairs. And fire marshal came, and right before we went on, and it was just like the kids were getting cold. Yeah, I'm like another five minutes. We're gonna go back in the warm room. I don't mm-hmm. care. Like. At this point, like they're cooling down too much, someone's gonna get hurt, you know. Yeah. And sorry that all happened to your team, and I'm glad that you guys got through it. <laughs> but oh, yes, we got through. We, hey, we, we hit both we, days, and we got the good, paid bid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, we that stuff that we dealt with, and it was just you know, as much as we want everyone to be there for us and supporting us, and we appreciate it. Again, not every team gets that that love and support. It, it's just you know, sometimes it's we're here to do the job guys. Yeah. And you guys love us because we do this job. So like, you know, just be respectful. And they're like, you need to get on your families. I'm like, I don't even know half these people. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Spirit Sports was like, you need to make, you need to make an announcement. I'm like, I'm over here with my kids. I'm giving everybody a hug. Like, I I don't know what to do for you. Like, I'm sorry. Tanaz got on the mic. I'm not sure if you knew that. Tanaz got on the microphone. Yes, she did. I remember. Because they wanted me to do it. And I was like, I can't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She did. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Good times though. Good times. Yeah. Real good times. So here's, here's me. I got to give you your flowers, Eddie. Um, Obviously a Samoa, we have reckless. Um, One of the unsung heroes, super popular code three. Yes. So code three. I remember, I got to tell you this story. Everyone else is inspired by Samoa, right? I am the guy in the crowd who was inspired by Code 3. I have a level 3 team. I'm coaching my first year coaching All-Star Cheerleading. I'm coaching a Senior 3 and a Senior 2. And, you know, our Senior 3 was decent. Um, It helped that we didn't have to go against any Cali teams that year. So we had, like, a pretty good season that year, right? So I'm like, okay, it was pretty good. 
and we got to whatever the last competition was. What was the one that had like Hollywood in the back? Was that American Showcase? Uh, Encore. Encore. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we go to Encore, end of the season. And um, I remember watching Code 3, and I'd heard that they were phenomenal. That was the year they did the jungle theme. And so I heard that they were phenomenal, but I hadn't watched them all season long. So I, get, I finally catch the routine, the very last competition of the season. And I remember watching them and being like, now that was a level three routine. Like that was incredible. I was, I was in awe and thought I couldn't do that with my kids if I wanted to. Right. And it inspired me to like, just like, I got to do a routine that, that looks like, I remember the same way you looked at BSB. Like that's the way I looked at code three. Like I'm going to beat that team one day. Like I got to have a team like that. Right. And like it inspired like, so we went on, you guys had the jungle theme. So we decided like, we need a theme. And so we did, you know, military. And so we were the soldiers of Enchanted forever. Literally inspired because of that code three jungle oh, routine. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, it's yeah forever. Actually. Orby coached that team. They won like six NCAA titles in a row. Like that Stupid. team was insane. Yeah. And then, yeah, then we're like, we need a family. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But we have great I coaching have, staff. We've like we've had some kit, former Snod kids now that are coaching for us, and we've been, you know, really training up our staff for the last couple seasons. So we're excited for them. There we go. Now it's time to have their their time in the limelight. <laughs> for sure. No, I feel it. I yeah, I feel it. I have one more. I have one more confession to make. Uh oh. And then we'll move on. Okay. So who coached snipers? Me. You. All right. So yes, sir. Eddie, this is a confession. The year, what year was it? I, it was the year you guys, I think you guys started off as Soul 5 that year and then ended up as Oh, Snipers. that that was Orby. That's when Orby was like, okay. you need to take Code 3 and I'll take Snipers. And I was like, uh, deal. Okay, deal. is that the they year, is that the year they did the Scorpions? Yes, and we got called at NCA. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. That, that was so, Orby. All the creative stuff, that's Orby. All the hard <laughs> stuff, that, that's me. Yeah. Right? I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. I'm telling you. So that year with Snipers, I think we we went against you guys at, um, where did we go? GSSA, the home opener, like Irvine, Bren Center. Right. Because uh, we were a medium and you guys were small. So we went against each other there, or we were large, I guess, at the time. We were large. You guys are small. You guys beat us there. We go on with the rest of our season, whatever. But then we were in the same division at Athletic. I think it was Athletic. Could have been Encore. Not sure what it was. Whatever the last competition of the season was that year. Got it. But we were there, and we were tied after day one. I'm like, all right, guys, we got to go out there. We got to hit. We well, since you didn't, since you weren't coaching, you might not have known this. But we end up winning that. This one we're at PCM. We end up winning by a tenth. But my confession is, we actually had a touchdown. So <laughs> I hit. It can come off. It's off my chest now. Oh, I'm not gosh. giving the trophy back. You know, tell I'm Orby I'm sorry. I'm writing a letter. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, we've all had those. Yeah. those losses where we know like there was a mistake there like nobody caught it uh, it's part of the sport what are you gonna do you know it is it is yep. part of the sport it's a hundred percent you know it, it sucks and that you know i i told this on one of my other episodes but sometimes you're the pigeon and sometimes you're the statue like sometimes you get really good calls and you're like hey it went in our favor and sometimes you get bad calls but that's part of the sport you know and so yep. It's a give and you take. Know, you live with it. it it's a hundred percent a give and take because we've had times when competitors have mistakes and they ain't call it. And I know we've had times when we've had mistakes and they ain't call it. And it's been to our benefit or been to their detriment or you know. So yep. anyway, all right. It's off my chest. I can I can 
you know, go to bed, well, you know, sleep. Congrats. Well. Congrats. <laughs> I'll let Orby know that he could, he should have had one more encore. Kind yeah. Of. One more encore. <laughs> it's the only thing he missed off his resume right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He really wanted that medal. <laughs> <laughs> He's clowning me, guys. <laughs> but it meant a lot to me. Yeah, he, okay. Guys, <laughs> you don't deserve it. I'm kidding. Oh, Smoed, nine boys now. It's a little bit over the limit. Um, tell me about the yes. transition. Or oh, you already told us part of it. You, um, but tell me about the transition a little bit more. Well, obviously, we went through a global pandemic. First in our lifetime it was amazing, and um, actually, quarantine time was amazing. But <laughs> we got to spend every. It really was. Time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, can we just go back for like just one more month? But anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, last summer we were going small co-ed. We had 22 kids, but only two boys. And obviously we need five boys in our division. And we try to push this. We try to fit this circle into a square all summer and it just wasn't happening. It's just every boy that, you know, tried out, didn't pan out, just getting people to move. We didn't have any lower level boys that were ready for small So that was kind of off the table. Uh, usually because we had snipers, we, it was easy to keep feeding Smoed. And then for the last two seasons, we've been medium all grow four. So there was no boys coming up. So we relied on outside boys and just getting people to move here during a pandemic was, it was too risky. Not, you know, mm-hmm. like Pete kids, parents were entertaining it, but I was just like, I don't want to keep pushing this. Cause if something does happen, like I don't want to be the person that, facilitates that or responsible at the end of the day you know um plus i didn't want to bring outside kids into our family's household and then then potentially get infected we didn't really know what this was and you know it's just it got too risky so we only had two boys we couldn't find any other we uh were trying every combination to make at least four boys happen and it just wasn't happening and then we're like okay well maybe it's time for division switch and um we were looking, well, we had all these boys that lived locally with like double fools that were unreckless or have been unreckless in the past or had been on smoke in the past. I'm like, just if this list alone, I can have 10 boys here on Monday that'd be willing to just jump back on board because there was no reckless. Cause um, I don't know if you know this, but Orby's brother was diagnosed with stage four cancer last year. And he was like, I can't commit to another world's team. I have to be, if something happens, I have to be able to drop everything and go for a month if I have to. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be irresponsible, take on this commitment, and I can't follow through. Totally respect it. Cool. So we're just going to have Smoed, and we're going to do the non-tumbling team and snipers. And we're, you know, we're going to be okay. And because there was no reckless, it opened up another pool of kids to bring into the mix. And... Mm-hmm. We, I called Tanaz. I'm like, hey, what divisions do we still have? Because we are very big on we don't want to compete against each other, especially not Worlds teams. Because mm-hmm. we're a six-location program. The last thing we want is animosity between two locations. And, you know, we're just one big gym. Like, we don't yeah. want to have two small kids. We don't have, want to have two small girls. It just doesn't work that way. So she's like, well, the only division that I could see you guys in, unless if you go all-girl, you can go all-girl seven or all-girl global or open all girl because we didn't have those divisions last year mm-hmm. and if you want to say co-ed the only division that we have is global co-ed she's like but you can't change the name and you have to have eight boys and i'm just like eight boys geez i only have two <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
that's a big ask. I'm like, I'll try. And every day she calls me. She's like, did you find boys? I'm like, I'm looking. Uh, stop yeah. bothering me. And she's like, did you find any boys? How many boys do we have on board? And I'm just like, Tanaz, like, let me make phone calls. Like, Levi's them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, hold on. But um, and Enrique was my assistant on Smoed. Uh, he was already jumping in to like fill in spots like over the summer. I'm like, hey, you're on the team now. And I'm like, hey, can you call so and so, so and so and so and so? And then, you know, we started picking up really good boys and kids that were interested from years past. And yeah, we had a, the first time the team even met each other was at choreography September 23rd of last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, they yeah, all walked that's... in at choreography and we put together a routine and they're like, do we have stunt groups? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, how many boys are we going to have on the floor? I'm like, however many show up today. Yeah. And, and we built a routine and we put together groups that day and we didn't really know if it was going to work, but we're like, two boys and girl underneath a little flyer. Like it's going to work. It's going to yeah, be just fine. Figure it out. And um, it did. And we kept almost the same exact routine all season and it, everything just kind of fell into place. And I loved it. We were able to bring in older athletes that, you know, um, had great leadership skills. There was kids on that had been on Samoa in 2013 on the team. So there was like mm-hmm. a lot of experience and like, Hey, like we don't do this. Like this is what needs to happen. And it's just, you know, and the last few years I've been like on burnout mode, like com- like complete mm-hmm. burnout mode. Um, and I was like, I'll call Netta and be like, I don't even know if I'm doing this right anymore. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I, maybe the sports has changed and I've just kind of like evolved out of it. And I don't, she's like, no, you're fine. Like, just buck up and just do the work. I'm like, okay. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, is there something happening that I don't know? Like, she's like, no, like, just do what you're doing. It's going to come back around. Cause it's like the score, she started calling for creativity and it was like, mm-hmm. you're creative. Like if you know me, I'm, I'm not the, that coach. I'm the clean lines and beautiful cheerleading coach. You know, like I wanted to hit, I wanted to hit hard and look great. Preach. Like, yeah, I, the, the flailing of arms and the level two transition in the middle of my level six elite, like that, that's not me. Like I'm, I want to do a double up two times. I want to do a hey, yeah. I want to do a rewind. I want, I want to do the hard stuff, you know. And that's what I thrive. I want to prepare these kids to go to college and do something big and go to the D one A schools and you know be amazing. But yeah, the last couple of years, I was like, I think the score sheet is whack. Like I yeah. love everybody that's responsible for the short score sheet, but it was it was spiraling out of control in the mm-hmm. wrong direction. At least for me as a coach, my style of coaching it was. It was not favoring my style of coaching, but it did yeah. circle back around and did start focusing on difficulty again. And I, I think the hardest, cleanest team should win, but that's just cheerleading for me. You know, it should be hard. It should be difficult and it should be clean. All the entertainment stuff. Yeah. Make it look cool. But that, that shouldn't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too much of a UCA guy now. I don't know. I just like clean, beautiful cheerleading. That's just me. You know, it's yeah. so funny. I told this story almost a year ago that, I was with a bunch of people. I actually told, I actually said this. This is why I told the story. I said, coaches prefer the score sheet. Coaches want score sheet that suit their their strengths. I said, I'm not sure right. if we're ever going to come be happy as an industry because we all have different strengths. And I said, and I love exactly like what you said. I, I like executing. Like my big thing is that our teams execute. And so I want a score sheet that rewards, again, like you said, difficulty and execution. Nice, clean lines, cheerleading. I was like, I'm not really that creative. And I was, I was hanging out with a bunch of other coaches 
who are really known in the industry for being really creative. Like, oh, the score sheet is not creative enough. And everyone's like, yeah, you're right. And I was like kind of sinking in my seat like, yeah, I don't want creativity. I want difficulty execution because that's, you know, that's my thing, right? So, yep. you know, we're, we're speaking the same language. Right yeah, now. it just cre- – creativity is so subjective and it's just like those subjective categories should not determine a winner. Like mm-hmm. it should be icing on the cake, not like, you know, the meat and potatoes like <laughs> of this yeah, yeah. situation, you know, like – it, it, yes if it's fun if it moves well it's visual like all that fun stuff like absolutely but i mean it should not carry that much weight where it's going to determine or cancel out somebody else's hard work yeah. you know what i mean like people can argue like it's hard work to make it look like that and it's great but it's just it's hard work to make people flip in the air and catch them on one arm yeah, you know like 100%. you know so it's just a different kind of hard work but i feel like if you put in the time and you put it you invest in those type of skills that take longer to develop and are harder to develop not anybody could do it i think i've only seen one one stunt group recreate our elite from this past season it was one of the hardest mm-hmm. elites i had uh, another coach text me actually last night he's like i hate you i'm like what did i do now and he's like we can't replicate your elite it's too hard i'm like then get better <laughs> bear, 12 bear crawls across the floor let's go yeah, yeah do some push-ups. <laughs> i'm gonna tell you but yeah but i mean sure we all have our strengths, I guess, like you said. It's actually pretty funny. Um, so international level four, you know, they get judged for, at the summit, only at the summit, they get judged on the um, international, like the world score seat, right? Or, and they use ISASF rules, not USASF rules. Got so it. we were going to do with our, you know, U17 four, I was like, oh, we can do, you can do one and a half ups to the top level four. And I was like, huh, we're going to try to do them. So we're like working them and stuff. And I'm like, you know, they're hitting them. And I'm like, guys, Smoa did one and a half ups to the top, two feet in like 2012. And I was like, and the world went, I'm not sure if it's 2012, 2013, but I went and found the video. It's like 2011, right? And I go, guys, the world's, yeah, the world went nuts when they did that. So I'm like, I'm showing them the video. It's all grainy on YouTube, right? (laughs) I'm like, guys, I'm telling you the best team in the world right here. (laughs) <laughs> and like and you guys are doing those now so you guys smell it right <laughs> like ah! yeah no funny. we were talking about it we were sitting in the gym um like because our we had our giant backdrop up but we took our backdrop so all of our world spanners were back out and we we're just going through the line and i was like what was the stud section this year and it's just like it's funny how much we've evolved as a sport from 2010 mm-hmm. to now like if somebody had told me in 2010 that smoke will be would be doing like extended handicap pop throughs with a quarter turn immediate scale and pike open rewinds to immediate air yeah. bass like in 2010 i'd been like you're crazy like, you just even a high four yeah. round high be like yeah. we tried high four round highs in 2012 and we failed miserably i think somebody just got kicked in the face really aggressively and i was like okay we're done and it's <laughs> just like yeah we're dead yeah yeah and now it's just like it, it's just like everyone's it, it's the trend skill like everyone's doing a high four round high to live you know like for it's sure. just, we've evolved so much as a sport and it's exciting because i i'm curious to see what's going to happen in the next five years Crazy this is, yeah imagine. it's getting nuts it's getting nuts all right so tell me about the difference so we have these older kids we're in the global division tell me like really what's the big difference that you learned this year from coaching you know the senior age kids you know 12 to 18 and then coaching you know the open team right um yeah it you know we went from senior to open within months 
And it was funny because like on SMOAD, like we always have those kids, the core kids that think like they're the big dogs, you know, mm-hmm. like on the team that had been there, that had been put in their time, like have done all the craziness, like all the conditioning, all the running. And they're so strong and they're like the big guy on the hill. And then we brought in kids that have been on SMOAD that have been on Reckless throwing even harder skill mm-hmm. and it was funny to see the dynamic switch from like the natural leaders on the team now just kind of became kind of fell in line and mm-hmm. like the people that have been on the team in 2013 and 15 and 16 are now like the top of the hill and everybody else kind of just followed followed suit and they brought a lot of like i said leadership to the team and checking people in and let's go like there was times that I would walk into the gym and they were already working because people showed up early. So they're like in the corner already like getting practice started. And I was just like, this is, this has never happened before. Yeah. I'm like, all right guys, it's time to go. Like they're high school kids. So you kind of got to be on them all the time. And now they were just like, okay, we're here. Like if your son Coop's here, mm-hmm. let's go stand circle. Like let's start warming up. Let's be ready. So when Eddie gets out here, we're ready to go. And <laughs> But sometimes I thought it was like a trick because they were trying to get me to skip conditioning and go straight into practice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> go get your running shoes on. Thank you for wearing your yep. shots, but now you're going to go run. But, um, I mean, it, it completely changed the dynamic of practice and the way I coach. Um, a lot of the time, like before, I was very specific about my flyers and how they looked in their lines and how they performed and all this fun stuff. But it was always me, like, in front mm-hmm. of them, like, making things happen. But now like I have Chimmy who was on the team in 2013 and flew with the point on Smoed for years, flew with the best of them, was on teams with some of the best kids in cheerleading. And I'm like, Chimmy, grab the flyers and go get them together. Make sure yeah. XYZ happens. Or Dylan, who's been on Wildcats to end of RO and spirit of Texas. Like, I'm like, Dylan, can you look at this and make it look right, please? Like, or Enrique, yeah. who was my assistant coach, who was in the front of the floor with me half the season and then on the floor the other half. I'm like, hey, can you take the boys and get that time together, please? Whatever, you know? like Yeah. So I had people on the floor that could actually help take this and take that and, you know, make the parts come together. So where before it was just me in front of the team, like steering the ship, yeah. every practice, every section yeah. – yeah, so we were able to like knock out a lot in a short amount of time, and because we started so late, it really helped like close yeah. the gap and you know yeah, get in front, of, get ahead of the division, which we were able to do. And it's just like, you know, I didn't realize we had an undefeated season until Worlds. Like, I wasn't even thinking about what happened. Yeah. I was just trying to get through every weekend. And yeah, we won NCA, and that was a big one. But it's just like when we got to Worlds, they were just like undefeated. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, we didn't lose this season. I was like, that's right. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was good. It, it just happened so fast. Yeah, we had a short season. So there's a, I read this in a book, but it said it's if you're completely focused on the process, you can realize you're not even winning, you know? And, and that's exactly like what you said. Like, if you're completely, now this was talking about golf and he's talking about 18 holes. So you can realize that you're not winning 18 holes. But, you know, when you're completely dialed in on the process, you know, you can go you can go the whole season and and be like, we've won every competition. Like I wasn't even now if you would have lost, you would have remembered. But yeah, yeah, (laughs) you always remember losses. But when you're dialed in like that, you're just trying to do your job and 
it, but you're not. I mean, every time you tell me, you're not. I was like, so like, yeah, is this good enough? Like, is there yeah. sure an advantage? Like small co-ed, I was like, okay, it's gonna be a close race. Like, you know, if they do this and we do this, if they have this and we have this, you know, this will cancel out. Like, small co-ed was my jam. And now I was like, is this good enough? Like, I have nine boys. They have thirteen. They have sixteen. Like, mm-hmm. they're doing two man stunting. We're doing full group stunting. Like. We're putting up these partners. They're putting up these partners. Like I wasn't sure, like what this course should look like, and because it was yeah. so heavy on building, it was just I didn't know if I was doing it right. So, and it takes, I, I it always worked. tell coaches this: it takes a while for coaches to to get familiar with the nuances of a division. Like, because when you know a division, you know it, and you kind of know right. like the little things that set you apart just a little bit, right? And it's all about yeah, the absolutely. And absolutely. but when you're in a new division you have to you have to figure out what those nuances are like oh yeah you have to have a two-man section you have to do this in this division to you know it's just like kind of the way things are so but you figured it out year one right um luckily so tell me tell me you told me this you kind of went into it when we were at the gym you know at our gym and a lot of coaches ask me this i want to ask you because i feel like everyone is saying jason please ask him this okay but you talked about culture and like setting the culture like so how do you go about setting like the smoed culture because i remember you telling me like you know the kids come in they're on time they do this you know they do things the way we've done things in the past so like talk to me about just like setting a culture and how coaches can go about doing that um i i call it traditions culture same thing we're a very tradition-based team Mm -hmm. i mean um like there are things that we do that people are like are you serious and like yeah absolutely i'm like you show up late to my practice you have 50 candlestick back tucks like yeah you don't wear what you're supposed to wear you have 50 candlestick back tucks like yep. uh you know and we don't waver we're not like oh we're just gonna let it slide this time oh we're no like the kids know and i'm like oh you're late they're like okay i'll do my 50 before i leave and they they know if they don't do their 50 on that day before they leave when they come back they'll be three times more mm-hmm. so they owe me 150 because you left yep. and you're responsible it's just you know like i start instilling them like these disciplines so when they go into the real world and they get their you know big boy job or big girl job like there are they're already used to being you know accountable and you know self-disciplined self-motivated yep. um that that way they're not constantly being told and they they can get ahead in life and do things and be successful humans you know so it's just when it comes to like team we, we just we set the standard and we don't waver from it. Like yeah. it needs to be this and that's what it's going to be. And it needs to be fair across the board, whether you've been on the team for 10 years or this is your first year, like th- this is the expectation and this is what we do. Like yeah. we, we make it a point that, you know, when we're conditioning, nobody gets left, left behind. If you yeah. finish first, you hold a push up to the last person's done or vice versa. You know, um, it, it's just, we, we make up these like little rules along the way and we we just stay consistent we stay consistent so they know that this is a standard and in order to compete at this level you need to hold yourself accountable to this standard and the kids get it and they they are 100 percent invested and our parents are all about it and that's what they love most about you know our program they come in on any given day there's kids in push-ups which is waiting for their yep. teammates and cheering them on you know and it's just like we're not wasting time like whether you're working out or holding a push-up, waiting for the solo's person on the team, you're still getting workout in the same time. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we've just kind of built that culture and everybody knows like 
as soon as you walk in the gym, like our kids are not allowed to sit in the gym. If you're in the gym, you're working. If, like end of the season, it gets it starts getting a little bit lax, but especially like summer into fall, if you step into the gym, you're expected to be working or do not stand yeah. in the gym, go wait in the parking lot. So, yeah. you know, and it's just, we've created that culture of stepping through the door, you get to work, step out of the door, like go away. Like we love you, but you need to go hang out out there, you know? Yep. Like we don't like those people just hanging around the gym, just laying and no, or even with water breaks. I don't let them sit down or be on their phone. Yeah. If they pick up their phone during a water break, I'm like, you better be texting Satan. Let them know what's about to happen to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> let them know you're on your way. Put it away. <laughs> Put it away. Yeah. Or, you know, like, or if they squat down to drink water, I'm like, unless your legs are broken, your name's Eddie Rios. We do not sit in this gym. Get up. Let's yeah. go. So they, they already know. And it's just like, I'm really funny about it. Like, but behind every joke, there's a little, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. But I try to do it. It's easier to make somebody laugh and them understand versus like do this all the time, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I coach through really sarcastic humor and the kids love it, I guess. Or that's what I'm doing. So, right? Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned this earlier, but I want to, I want to piggy, I want to circle back. Yes, sir. Eddie, how do you, how do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Uh, just, I just want to make a difference. And I want to make people laugh and enjoy what they're doing in the sport. Yeah. Um, you know, like many times you get so fixated on the result. You know, I was very, I would say the first six years of my coaching career, I was very like result, like it was all about the result. It was all about not just the win, but like the season being great and them being great and not losing. I was obsessed with not losing, but it, it's yeah. just, you know, I started shifting my focus to in the moment. Like, like how do you make them feel now? Like when they leave today, how do they feel today? Like they, they're not thinking about the end of the season right now. They, they're hitting their lives because their bodies hurt so much or whatever, you know, like, yeah. but I, I just wanted to leave a positive impact. And I, you know, I, I was talking to Orson about it. I would say at last NC, yeah, this last NCA. And I was just like, I just want to now start getting on the educational side of cheerleading. Like I've, I've helped so many kids like, you know, make their dreams reality in the sport or I've helped so many kids be on great teams and develop all these great skills. But it's just like, I want to start helping develop the next generation of coaches just, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's how I want to be remembered more of like an educator versus, you know, just teaching skills, teaching skills and pumping them out, you know? So that's how I want to be remembered. Funny, helpful, inspirational as much as possible and yeah that's me there we go that's me yeah good stuff no good stuff man thanks so i want to ask you i'm not sure i don't i don't know if this is too personal or not um so tell me if it is and then i'll edit it out of the podcast but tell me about your adoption with levi adoption with levi um well (laughs) long story but um yeah no i orby since the day i met him he was 28 and I was 24. Yeah, Orby is older than me, believe it or not. No, he looks younger. But um, he was like, I want to be dad. I want to be a dad. I'm like, okay, maybe when I turn 35, I'll be ready. And he's like, I can't wait that long. I'm like, well, you're going to have to because I don't want to have a kid before I'm 35. Mm-hmm. Right after my 35th birthday, he's like, here's the info. I need you to sign. I was like, damn it. 
So I'm like, okay, cool. So we're doing it. We're doing it. And yeah, it was right after my 35th birthday. And um, we ended up adopting him in 2018. So it was like 37th time. And yeah, it took a couple years. We were on a waiting list. We had like multiple times had false alarms. Like, um, I don't know, like when we go through adoption agencies, the mothers pick you. Like you submit mm-hmm. your profile and the birth mother picks you. So it's not like you go to like a baby store and you pick a baby. You're like, yeah. I'm picking this yeah. one. You know what I mean? You're not picking up a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a puppy. <laughs> so, I mean, so it was a lengthy emotional process. It was a lot of hurry up and wait and fill this out and, you know, do this, do that. And um, we almost thought it wasn't going to happen. And just in July, July 12th in 2018, they're like, oh, this mother chose you guys and she wants to meet with you guys on the phone in an hour. And we're, we're like, excuse me. And they're like, and here's the baby's ultrasound and he is going to be born in August. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Orby showed up to the gym. He was like full crying. And I was like, I thought something had died. I'm like, mm-hmm. what happened? Like, what's wrong? Go in the office. Like, I was in the middle of a private lesson. I'm like, let me finish up. I have like five more minutes. Just go in the office. I thought somebody had passed away. So I walk in the office and he's crying and he's like, we got a call. And I was like, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, the birth, a birth mother chose us. Like she wants to talk to us. And we, they sent us the number. They sent us the ultrasound picture of this baby. It was going to be a boy. We, we wanted a girl, but mm-hmm. We said whatever because we were just so tired of waiting. We just we just wanted to be parents, and yeah, we we spoke to the birth mother. We were on the phone with her for like two and a half hours. We felt like we knew her, mm-hmm. and just talked about everything in life. And she was very cool, and yeah, and she's like, and he's coming in two weeks, and I'm just like, man, that's a quick. excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, and yeah, um, I mean, and he came, yeah. A week and a half later he came he came early and yeah and we went and we met him the day we were born and we've been yeah lucky parents ever since and so blessed and you know we still have a good relationship with birth mother and he's he's gonna be four here we are four years later yeah so it was it was long it was emotional but definitely worth it and we loved yeah. every second and um you know he was what to when this whole pandemic thing started and went to quarantine and it was like the perfect age for him to just be home with us every day and Mm -hmm. he was a little spoiled and yeah lisa and kenny got stuck here one was going australia and one flew back from london and they got stuck here for like three months so during quarantine they lived with us so he had like a whole community of people yeah really cool and it was it was yeah it's been great it's been great watching grow up he loves the gym he loves to jump around and uh, everyone at the gym is obsessed with him and he has all these great babysitters at the gym. So it's been great. There you go. Good stuff. All mm-hmm. right. So tell me what's the difference between Smollett coach and Levi dad? Oh my God. Some, honestly, the <laughs> first year, I think I was going through like the male like version of postpartum depression. Um, And I couldn't coach. I just, I couldn't mentally do it. I, I would like I would talk to Nada every night and be like, I think I like being Levi's dad more than I like being the Smode coach. Like mm-hmm. that, those words literally came out of my mouth, and it was just 
like for four months, I was on this. I don't want to coach anymore. Like, I just want to yeah. be Levi's dad. I don't want to miss anything. Like, I don't want to give other people's kids time. I should be giving my kid, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, so I just want to be a dad. I just want to be a dad. And I want to be a stay at home dad. I don't worry. was like, you need to go to work. And I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> You're going to work. Yeah. I, I get to work and I, I can't even go in the building. Like for like four months, I was like, I like, I'm here, but I'm not here. You know, it was weird. And it's just like, luckily I had um, Enrique that year had just started being our assistant and he picked up a lot of slack and we had like really good assistant coaches in Camarillo that year. And they're just like, yep, whatever you need, like whatever you need. And I would just pop in and off the floor, just say hi to the kids, get back in the office, do some work. Um, I would bring Levi to work. We have him like in the pack and play in the office and mm-hmm. I would hang out with them. And it was just like, I had to get through that. Like are about to lose you. No, perfect. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was a hard time. It was a hard time. And it really showed in our, in our teams in 20, actually 2019 was that, it was actually a pretty good year. Um, reckless one that year. Smoed, I mean, was near to perfect. And then the last structure where a whole pyramid came crashing down on the ground. We ended up yeah. in fourth. It was great. But I mean, it was a really hard season to get through though. It was just, I, I was like on checkout mode half the time and mm-hmm. going into 2020, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to coach it. Like, I love these kids, but I just don't, I want to be home with my kid. Yeah. And it, it took me like almost a full season to snap out of it. And mm-hmm. like, you need to get back to work to give everything that you didn't have to this little kid. Like you need to get to work. And yeah, yeah. now here I am on the other side and doing the division switch really helped because it took a lot off my plate. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Orby's been amazing. He's such a supportive husband and he's all about our home, our home first, gym second, where I've always been gym first, home second. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's a good, it's a good balance. You know, do you feel more balanced now? A couple of years have gone by. Um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do feel a lot more balanced, I, but I think I'm going back into cheerleading mode, like gradually, like mm-hmm. before yeah. it was like it never stopped i would get home i would watch videos and study my division i'd write down my notes i'd watch practice videos like 10 times and have sheets of things that i needed to yep. clean fix i'd watch everything in slow motion to make sure that it was all moving yeah to definitely feel a lot more balanced so how has levi dad influenced smoed coach Levi dad has influenced smoke coach in many positive ways. Uh, I mean, you asked me eight years ago, I wouldn't say it was a positive way, but now it's just, I'm a lot more a understanding, be compassionate. You know, I still, I still run a very tight ship and still, you know, lead with discipline, but you know, like when kids are having outside issues that have nothing to do with the gym or, you know, things happen in life. And now I'm more, I've taken on that mentor role where before it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, suck it up, get back in line. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, leave your personal stuff at the door, like stuff like that. Like I would say stuff like that all the time. And now it's just like, come to my office, get yeah. the kids warmed up. Like let's, let's chat. Um, also I used to be like, no excuses. Absolutely not. I don't care. You need to be there. Like if your team needs to be there, you need to be there. And now like things like, prom grandparents birthday death in the family obviously has always been one but 
like things that happen at school that they will never be able to do ever again. Like I'm like, okay, you can miss like, yeah, just make sure you do X, Y, Z and you need to do an online workout post it before Monday. That way your team sees that you're working just as hard, but there's a conflict and you're, you're really trying to make it work, you know, like yeah. now I'm just like, show me the effort and show me the intent to be part of the team and do everything that everybody else is doing, whether it be here physically or not. So now it's just like, I've given him a little bit because, you know, like looking back, like I miss so many of my high school activities. Like I'm sure we all did. I miss out so many family functions and parties and whatnot just for cheerleading. Like if I can give a little bit back to some of these athletes that won't have that again, then, then that's what needs to happen. So my daddy and me is like, okay, like, let's figure out how to make it work because I hope that my kid one day crosses a coach like that, that is understanding because there are going to be things that we're going to want to do as a family. And when we make big commitments like that, you know, I want, I don't want reservations for my kid, but I want a coach that's going to be understanding and willing to work with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't know what our kids are going to be or do, but I just want to make sure that we're paying it forward and hopefully it comes back to us tenfold, you know? There we go. Good stuff. Yeah. I've, I've, I've gotten soft over the years as well, Eddie. I really have. I'm like, I really? so liked. I remember you. You're crazy, this, man, dude. And now I'm just <laughs> so, so I just, like old kids. We're like, did you let them do that? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm freaking soft now, I'm, man. Yeah. So here we go. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad to hear. I'm, <laughs> it actually it's makes everyone. me feel okay. I'm like, hey, Eddie's no. Up, and so I would good. have like those crazy cheer moms <laughs> in my office, like yelling at the top of their lungs that's so upset about blah 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 and they would always throw like this dagger at me and be like one day when you have kids like i don't know if you ever got that before but one oh, day when you have kids never you're gonna understand <laughs> and i'm just like yeah 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 i'm not gonna have kids like or or yeah. yeah 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 my kids will never act like their kids and they're like you watch you watch blah 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 right and here I am. Yep. Yeah, here I am. That dagger, man. They threw it. They threw it every day. Every chance they got, they threw yes. that dagger. I, I told you this. Have kids. I'm like. Man, believe it or not, I had a mom say this to me. You know, I was waiting. I was like, now we're going to have a kid. No one's ever going to be, be able to say, when you have kids. So we have Joey. She's like six months. Someone's like, when she gets older, you'll understand. I'm like, you can't do that. We're always going to get married. Yeah, right. <laughs> you'll understand when she's 13, right? So anyway. Uh, all right, let's let's wrap this thing up. We got three questions. I got more questions, but I, you, you got things to do right now. I'm gonna try out season, so we got right. three questions. We'll we'll wrap it up. Um, all right, what's something that needs to start, stop, and change in the industry? Stop, start, and change. Um, I think once in the industry, just in a whole, I think once we adopt a score sheet, it's not always gonna work for everyone. But I just feel like score sheets need to be locked and consistent for three to five years. Let us master the damn thing before we start switching, changing, rearranging to make everyone happy. Like just we're already dealing in a society where it's just we're going into this like everyone wins wins mentality. And that's not realistic. That's not sustainable. Like everyone doesn't win. The hardest people will win. Sorry, the hardest working people will win. And we need to teach our kids that like. If you work hard and you do what others aren't willing, then you'll get ahead, you know, like, and that's okay. So I think 
developing a score sheet that gets locked for three to five years. Same thing with rule changes. Rule changes need to be locked in three to five years. And it's not always going to be perfect. You know, there are like slight modifications, but it's just, you know, there just needs to be consistent scoring, consistent rules and age grids that get locked in for three to five years, as opposed Mm -hmm. to every year, every two years, you're seeing these crazy modifications and you're building teams. And then another modification comes in, then no, then you have to make adjustments. And it's just like, you know, it's easy to make changes at the end of the summer, but it's just like, we plan our seasons based on what's out there at the moment at tryouts. And, yeah. Yeah. For you sure. know, and I know people have different seasons, but I think there just needs to be like a universal season. Um, oh, another thing that needs to stop is these 12 month seasons or 11 mm, month seasons. Yeah. Like in what sport do you play a sport for 11, 12 months? It's crazy. There needs to be a reset. And a training season where it's just you only work on skills. Yeah. Like, you know, so it, it's just it creates a lot of burnout. And a lot of our kids are just like, we want the summer. We want this. We want and, and I totally get it. Like it's just for us, it's exhausting. Especially end of season, where there's so many emotions and so much going into like the end of season events. Once you're done with end of season events, it's like you have tryouts in three days and it's just mm-hmm. like, whoa, or in a week or whatever, you know, that it's just, it's just a lot. And sometimes when kids are like, I just need a minute to finish finals and finish this semester. And it's like, okay, cool. We'll come back when you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, Gator. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those are my biggest pet peeves in cheerleading right now, but no, I feel you. yeah. And no, start, um, what needs to start? Um, I said a couple of years ago to the right people, but it was just kind of nothing really happened. But I, I think there just needs to be development of new coaches. There's so many kids who are excited about our sport and are passionate and love and obsess over our sport. There, there just needs, I know they do it in other countries. There just needs to be like a junior coaches, you know, mm-hmm. training or kids are just interested in coaching. Like there just needs to be more education and or programs just open to them to be able to develop and hone their skills and learn about child development development. Like, you know, child development is huge when working with youth sports and it's just, I, I was clueless. I just knew the sport. I love the sport. I taught the sport. And it's just like over the years you start like learning about how kids actually develop mentally and in sports and athletics. So I think that information needs to be accessible to kids that are coming up through the sport and wanting to start coaching. So yeah, yeah, I think that needs to start. Good stuff, man. Really good yeah. stuff. Thank you, man. I'm looking forward to this one now then. Um, what's an, uh, a myth, narrative, or um, rumor that you want to debunk? Oh, oh there's some personal ones, but just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, there are. Um, you know, I, I've had accusations in the past about me body shaming mm-hmm. flyers. That's I'm like, I'm a 230-pound guy. I don't body shame flyers. Um, I mean, people like to change the narrative to accommodate their agenda and yeah nothing like that has happened um i have had conversations both you know like flyers are such a touchy subject because you don't want to talk about weight and you don't want to talk about body image and all that fun stuff and trigger something or trigger a young female athlete or even male like making comments about bodies and stuff um again it's just you know those conversations do happen especially they're like for parents, there is a time where it's just 
she needs to transition from being a flyer to a base and that is okay. Like it's part of the sport. And sometimes I've had some of the best flyers make the best spaces because they understand grips and, you know, uh, how to like level out the foot, tip the toe, all that fun stuff. And, you know, like that takes time to develop. And, you know, if one day she's just not going to be a flyer anymore, it's okay for them to be bases. So we need to get rid of that, that stigma that, you know, like, Oh, if she gets grounded, it's because you're calling her fat. Like, it's not that. Yeah. It's just, it's a sport. And in order to compete at the highest levels of this sport, you know, it needs to make sense, right? Um, yeah. What's another one? That I'm a mean coach. I'm not a mean coach. I just <laughs> have a very high standard. And if I've told you the first time, if I've told you the second time, if I've told you the third time, if it takes me to yell at the top of my lungs for you to hear me the fifth time, then that's what's going to happen because I want the best for you. And at the end of the day, I tell all my kids, this is for you. This is not for me. Like all these plastic medals are cool, but they don't equate to anything in my, in my world, you know, like mm. they, I can't feed my kid with a gold medal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So 100%. like, this is for you. This is your experience. Like I will give you the opportunity. Whatever you do with it is on you. I will guide you. I will lead you, but I will not pull you. I will not pull you in that direction. I will push you, but I will not pull you. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm not a mean coach. I'm actually very understanding. I'm really funny. I think I'm very humble, as you can see. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that that's pretty much it. Oh, and what you see on YouTube is is like that much of my life. Like, you know, they only get you when you're at 10 and it was a semi-scripted show. So that means there was already a storyline mm-hmm. and they took clips of our practices and created a story for you to watch it at home. around there. Yeah. Yeah. Based on reality, it wasn't actual, fully real. So, I mean, what you saw on YouTube, if you had an opinion, it's just, it's entertainment. So I hope you guys were entertained yeah. with it. Yeah. There we go. That's pretty Good much stuff. it. All right. Yeah. Um, Last question, where can yes, uh, our listeners find you, follow you online, you, the program, anything? Um, well, you online, you anything, Smode Coach, on Twitter, Smode Coach, Snapchat, Smode Coach, Instagram, Smode Coach. Um, you can also follow the California All-Stars. Um, and that's Eddie Rios. That's me, Facebook, hey. And uh, that that's it. Like. That's all on. I, I don't do go. TikTok. I don't do any <laughs> other platforms right now. But yeah, you can find me at Smode Coach anywhere. So there we yeah. go. All right, Eddie. Thank you for joining. You're welcome back anytime, man. Yeah, no, whenever, man. Text me whenever you're bored. Again, Eddie, it was a pleasure having you on the show. You were a fantastic guest, and it means a lot that you uh, joined us. That you joined to talk to me. That our audience got the chance to listen to your stories and just everything going on with you, Orby. Levi, Smoed, the whole gym. Everyone else, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. We have some more awesome guests planned this summer that you guys do not want to miss. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget about those few ways that you can show love to the show. You can leave a five-star rating plus a positive review. You can fill out the survey in the show notes. You can make a financial donation. I believe in you guys. I love you guys. I love doing the show, and I can't wait to be with you guys next week. But most importantly, keep on listening. Five, six, seven, eight. We're out. Gym owners, directors, coaches, can you relate to this? You say to yourself, this season is going to be different. We're going to get all of our teams on the same page. 
Or maybe you're saying, we're going to get all of our coaches on the same page. You look out as the teams are practicing, or maybe as they are competing, and you know you can do more. Let me help you. I work with several gyms, large and small, each season, whether it's the summer and we do a coaches clinic or a stunt camp, or it's during the season and we do an in-person routine cleaning. I even do routine video reviews if you're just looking for some thorough feedback of the routine. You send me your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with everything I would fix and how I would fix it. Teams I have worked with have gone on to be world champions, NCAA all-star champions, NCAA collegiate champions, summit champions, and D2 summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at jasonlarkins@me.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at jasonlarkins. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor, hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.